So I've been preaching through a series on discerning the will of God. This is the fifth message entitled Evaluating Popular Methods of Discerning God's Will. And the only one that I probably am going to cover today is hearing the voice of God. One of the assumptions that generates a lot of misunderstanding about discerning the will of God is the idea that, which is widely propagated by many very well-known pastors and teachers, and it's this. If you are a Christian, God desires to communicate with you on a personal level apart from the Bible. Now, that means that revelation from God continues. And that means that the canon of Scripture is not closed. I want to give you a quote here a little bit. But the question then is, is does God speak beyond the 66 books of the Bible to us? Because that's the canon of Scripture. And the word canon, I think I've taught this to you before, comes from the Greek word kanon, and it means list, rule, or standard. List, rule, or standard. I'm going to give you a, a quote here from Clarence Mason on the danger of an open canon, continued revelation from God. That's what we mean by an open canon. Number one, it removes... All possibility of objectivity, you have a pen. It removes all possibility of objectivity from religious faith and experience. So, what you end up then with is subjective mysticism. Secondly, it allows for the validity of any and every religious experience by it apart from the control of the canon the Word of God. And that's true because we know that experiences, personal experiences, are largely self-authenticating when we talk about these kinds of experiences. And number three, it destroys all possibility of distinguishing between God's and Satan's voice. Deception. How do you really know what voice you heard or thought you heard. How can you really test that? In David Hitchie's book, 1990, he wrote a book entitled, Does God Speak Today? And that, that seems to be around the time when all of this really kind of began to break wide open and everybody was hearing from God. But he gave 47 cases of modern-day communication from God apart from Scripture, which had good results. 47 cases, God communicating to people, and it had good results. But he also included 15 examples of counterfeit revelations. And it concluded that you know, every experience must be tested. So if I did my math right, one out of four? Counterfeit? Joyce Meyer, the famous theologian, he said, God delivers his word through signs, revelations, and internal confirmation. 
Ask God for the sensitivity to hear his voice. And then Henry Blackaby, who really I call the godfather of this whole movement, in his book on spiritual leadership in 2001, he said this, No amount of reasoning and intellectualizing will discover God's will. God himself must re reveal it. I think he has in his word. God's Holy Spirit reveals his will to those who are seeking his mind and heart. But then he adds that Christian leaders can grow unfamiliar with God's voice and miss his guidance. So think about those statements, all right? Number one, there can be counterfeit revelations. Number two, you need sensitivity training to hear God's voice. And number three, you can become unfamiliar with God, I guess out of fellowship with God and his voice, and miss the guidance. And those are just a few of the problems associated with this idea to start with. I would much rather stick to God's special revelation in the Holy Scriptures, and I hope you would too. Hebrews 1, 1 says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers, by the prophets, we covered that in Old Testament revelation, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, all of creation. Again, to quote Mason, special revelation is sourced in Jesus Christ, the living word. John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was what? The word was with God and the word was God. And then verse 14. And then Hebrews 1 and 2, he quotes, which I just quoted for you. So it's sourced in the living word, Jesus, and in the Holy Scriptures. Since all we know of the living word, Jesus, is contained within the written word, the special revelation that we got from God, it is objective, it is factual, it is final, and it is complete as far as God's intention for us is concerned. And in John 14, 25, remember Jesus was talking about departing and going to be with the Father and then sending the Holy Spirit. And he made the statement that when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That's not a personal word for you, that you can take the Bible and you're going to have a perfect understanding of it because God, the Holy Spirit, according to the promise of Jesus, is going to guide you into all truth. What Jesus was doing there was pre-authenticating the word of scripture that would come through through the apostles, through John, primarily through the apostle Paul, through Peter. So I want to look at some false assumptions. And these were mentioned by Jim Osman in his book, God Doesn't Whisper. And I'll put my own little uh, spin on some of these false assumptions concerning hearing the voice of God. Number one, you need to hear from God. You need to hear from God. So advocates of continuing personal revelation insist that this is a must for a close relationship with God. If you're going to have a close relationship with God, you need to hear from God on a personal level. They all teach this. Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God, 1999, he says, in, in subtitle, How to Live the Full Adventure of Knowing and Doing the Will of God. So if you want the full adventure, 
you need to buy the book or go to the seminar, right? And he says this in the book. If you have trouble hearing God speak, this is on a personal level, you are in trouble at the very heart of your Christian experience. I was saved in the early 70s. And I have never, never heard God speak outside his word. Does that mean that I have been in trouble for almost 50 years at the very heart of my Christian experience? And Blackaby is intentionally vague on the manner of how God communicates with us personally. He says the method differs from person to person. He calls it the concept of divine assignment. And he says it's crucial to everything. He mentions it more than 100 times in his book on experiencing God. So you need to understand God's assignment for you. How do you go about doing that? Well, I'm going to give you a couple statements here of uh, the language that he uses throughout this whole book. Page 13. I sensed God's call. Page 14, I prayed and sensed what God wanted me to do. I sensed a great urgency from God. Page 42, we decided that God had definitely led us. Page 69, we began to sense God's leading us. The direction you sense God's leading you. Page 10, listen to that. Page 111, I felt led of God. Page 120, our church sensed what God wanted us to do. Page 121, one of our members felt led to. And then on page 143, review what you sense God has been saying to you. All throughout the whole book. This is the, the seminars that are still being conducted today that Christians go to to hear the voice of God or to learn how to experience God at a personal level. Brothers and sisters, although there's probably much in Blackaby's book that you and I would agree with, we also know that sometimes what we sense turns out nonsense or it's just simply not true. We have feelings and impressions that that's all they are, is feelings and impressions, but there's no truth to them. Charles Stanley how to listen to God. He says, I believe the most important reason God is still talking today is that he wants us to know him. If God has stopped talking, that's not to you and me on a personal level, then I doubt we will ever discover what he is really like. I don't agree with that at all. The truth is you do not need to hear from God apart from his word in order to know what God is like and how you should live your Christian life. Scripture is sufficient. We do not need to know and we cannot know anything about God beyond what he has chosen to reveal to us in his word. That's the bottom line. I mean, look at the quote in your bulletin. I don't think I have it here. But take the time to read that. And it talks about the importance of, of Scripture every day, feeding yourself on the Word of God. But we do have, we have everything, all, all that we need 
Second Peter 1, 3, according to his divine power, he has given us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So God clearly in his word, when the Holy Spirit takes the word and we submit to it and we begin to understand the will of God for us, the moral will of God and how we conduct our life, we have all that we need to be able to do that. False assumption number two. This follows logically from the first false assumption that you need to hear from God beyond the revelation of Scripture. And it's this. You should expect to hear from God outside the Scripture. Why would God withhold personal revelation from you if you need to hear from Him? If God is still speaking to people personally, why would He not desire to speak to every Christian that way? What is wrong with you if you have never heard the voice of God? However, there are thousands and thousands of Christians living godly, Christ-honoring lives, serving him in many capacities on the mission fields of the world, who have never heard God speak to them in a personal way. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands who have tried to hear the voice of God and failed to hear it. Did they get the wrong instructions? Were they in sin? Did they lack faith? Did they lack the necessary sensitivity training to hear the voice of God? Do you have to be an advanced believer to hear the voice of God? None of this adds up. None of it. But they have a go-to voice, or verse, I should say, to authenticate the voice of God and the idea that you should, you should, you should be listening for it. And it's John 10, 27. My sheep hear my what? Voice. And I know them and they follow me. Every single book that I read by the advocates of hearing the voice of God quote this scripture repeatedly. My sheep Hear my voice. So a, vo a, vo a verse taken out of context becomes a what? A pretext for what you want it to mean. So the advocates of hearing God's voice say God can speak in an audible voice, a still small voice, kind of like a whisper, or an inner prompting or nudge. The language that we often hear is, the Spirit led me, God spoke to my heart, God prompted me. More dramatic means would be a prophecy from someone, a dream or a vision, and we'll cover those later on in the series. But Jack Deere, who is a famous charismatic preacher back in 1996, he said, God at times uses supernatural means to speak to us. The audible, audible voice to you alone, you hear it, it's, I guess, in your own language, or you wouldn't understand it, right? The internal audible voice, I don't know if, how different that is, the still small voice, could use the voice of an angel. He could use natural means, and I don't understand this, such as dreams, visions, trances. Seems like some of that would be out of the category of the natural. Sentence fragments, 
God speaks in sentence fragments, single words, impressions, whatever those consist of, or human messengers. Peter Wagner says this, God sometimes speaks in parables to you that may need interpretation. And sometimes he gives a partial response and expects us to be patient for the rest of it. Listen, I have to tell you the truth. It's hard enough to try and interpret the parables we have in Scripture, let alone God speaking to you in parables. Are you going to need assistance in interpreting those parables? What rules of interpretation would you follow if God was speaking to you in parables? So I want to go back to John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I want to look at the context, asking this question. Is it proof te a proof text for hearing God's voice in some manner today, presumably audibly or, or in a still small voice? My sheep hear my voice. So turning your Bibles to John chapter 10. Verse 1, verily I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up another way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now let me make a few basic observations about this text. And the first rule of sound biblical interpretation is this, observation. Observe what's really happening, the context, the context before. The you... When Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, in John 10 are the unbelieving Pharisees, who Jesus said were spiritually blind because they could not see their sin in rejecting him. Go back to John chapter 9, the end of John chapter 9. You're not far away. Verse 10. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that they which see might not see. I underscored that. They which see might not see. The humble and the receptive. That they which see might be made blind. The proud and the obstinate. And that would be a judicial blindness because of their pride and obstinacy in rejecting Christ. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and they said, and they said unto him, Are we blind also? And bingo. Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, humble and receptive, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, you are proud and obstinate, therefore your sin remaineth. So that's point number one. The you and John 10 are the unbelieving Pharisees. Number two, the sheep of Don, John 10, 27 were sheep before Jesus came. 
John 10, 8. Have the scripture up for you. All that ever came before me. Who would that be? False messiahs. Are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. They were sheep before Jesus came. The only people we read about who were called sheep before Christ came were the nation of Israel as a whole, just sort of a, a corporate designation, although some in the nation, many in the nation were not saved, and the followers of God in particular. Psalm 79, 13, We thy people and sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. And then he had Ruth 1, 16. Ruth said to Naomi, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. I will become a follower of the God of Israel. Now I want to take a look for a few minutes at the relevance of John chapter 10 to John chapter 6. So you can go back to John, John chapter 6, verse 25. And when they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, which means teacher, when did you come here? How did you get here is really what they're saying. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles of the, the, the loaves, the miraculous feeding, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. In other words, that was a selfish material motive that they were, they were going after Jesus for. And then he says, labor not for the meat or the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son will, of Man will give unto you, for him hath the Father sealed, set apart. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might, might work the works of God? This was the typical Jewish thinking, works oriented. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work singular of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent, whom the Father hath sent. Jump down to verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no ways cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of, the, of him who sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. That of all which he has given me, I would lose nothing, but would raise it up again on the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, and you have to see him with the eye of faith, and believes on him, may have everlasting life. John 3.16. And I will raise him up on the last day. And go down to verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father who hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Question. Who are those the Father draws and gives to the Son? And the answer is in the very next verse. It is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught of God. Isaiah 54, 13. Every man therefore that hath what? Heard and learned of whom? Of the Father, from the Father, 
will continue to come to me. So they recognized the voice of the Father concerning the Son. Well, actually, they recognized the voice of the Father in, in, the, in the fact that they accepted the revelation that was given to them in, in the Old Testament. John 14, 7 says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. If you recognized the Father's voice, you would have recognized mine. And we have many examples of Old Testament believers who were responsive to the truth that they had received, the truth of the Old Testament, and then they were further enlightened. Their faith became sight when they saw Jesus. Luke 2.25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout. I, I, I put a little note here. He was humble and receptive, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's anointed one, Christ. And he came by the Spirit to the temple, and his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for the, him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for mine eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon was waiting for the one that the Father had anointed, the one predicted to be the Messiah in the Old Testament. He was a sheep before Jesus came. And when the Son of Man came and he saw him, he received him. Luke 2.36, and there was Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and lived with a hundred, uh, lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of fourscore and four years who departed not from the temple, but served God with prayers and fastings. She was humble and receptive night and day. And she, she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spoke to him to all of them that looked for redemption in Israel. Those who were waiting, they had received the word of God in the Old Testament from their father. And, and they, they were waiting for the promised Messiah. John 1.40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first finds his own brother Simon and he says unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, the one the Father has anointed and set apart. Now to find something, you have to be what? You have to be what? Looking for it. You have to be looking for it. It's the usual the way that it usually goes. And they were looking. They were longing. They were waiting. They had accepted the revelation that the Father had given them in the Old Testament. They were hearing the voice of the Father. And when Jesus came, they recognized him. Matthew 16, 15, Jesus said unto them, the disciples, Who? Whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, right? The anointed one, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. John 10, 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. Jesus said prior to this, that I and the Father are one, right? Exact sameness of nature. 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep, other sheep I have, that would be the Gentiles, who are not of this fold, the original Jewish believers. Them must I also bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one fold and one shepherd. And these other sheep were all saved, the Gentiles, by the hearing of the gospel. Cornelius in Acts 10. Lydia in Acts 16. She was a Gentile, but she was a God-fearer who was with a group of Jewish women at a prayer meeting. And Paul comes there and she hears the gospel and God opens her heart because she was seeking the God of Israel. That's what she was doing there. And then she believed. And then she was baptized. So my conclusion is this, and I wish I had a time to go back to the beginning of John's gospel and work, work all the way through this. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, does not support the teaching that only certain individuals were chosen to salvation in eternity past, and, and they alone hear the effectual call of the gospel, which many interpret as Jesus' voice. They hear the effectual call, Jesus' voice. John Piper says, Jesus, Jesus talking about his elect ones that the Father has chosen, and the Father will give them to the Son when the Son calls them. In other words, they were chosen in eternity past. John 10, 24. If you're still in John, follow along. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long are you going to make us doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you didn't believe. You believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. My Father is confirming me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. In other words, they did not believe they did not believe because the sheep the Father gives to the Son are those who will respond with positive volition to the prior revelation concerning that the Son that the Father has given. You go back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Moses predicted whom? The, the great prophet who would come. All throughout the Old Testament, all the prophetic scriptures, they had all those scriptures. This was what the Father was been revealing all along, and they rejected it. So when Jesus came, they did not reject, hear the voice of the Son. They, they rejected him because they didn't hear the voice of the Father. Those who received had already become accustomed to hearing the voice of God, and so when they heard the voice of Jesus, they recognized his voice as the voice of God, and they came to him, and they followed him, and he didn't cast them out. And in every instance, they were humble and receptive. Every single instance. John chapter 5, verse 43. I am come in my Father's name, and you didn't receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you'll receive. How can you believe which receive honor of one another, but you do not seek the honor that comes from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. They say they trusted. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. 
for he wrote of me. Had they truly received the prior revelation given by the Father of the Son, they would have received Christ. But they rejected it, and therefore they rejected Christ. So Jesus said in John 5, 47, But if you believe not his writings, the writings of Moses and the Old Testament prophets, how will you believe my words? You've already rejected everything that was given to you. So it doesn't support the idea that the sheep that hear God's voice have been predestined to salvation in eternity past. The context does not support that idea at all. But as far as my message today is concerned, John 10, 27, and you'll have to change your notes here, does not support the idea. This is even further off the track. Does not support the idea that God speaks to believers today who are his sheep and they should be trying to hear his voice. This violates the context of John chapter 10 completely. It totally ignores it. It has nothing at all to do with you as an individual getting personal revelation from God. So I want to quote R. Fowler White, New Testament and Biblical Language Scholar, to conclude this morning. The Bible gives us no reason to expect that God will speak to his children today apart from the scriptures. Those who teach otherwise need to explain to God's children how these words, which they call Freshly spoken from heaven. See, this is old. You need a fresh word from heaven. That's what the teaching is. They need to explain to God's children how these words, freshly spoken from heaven, can be so necessary, as I've already pointed out, and strategic to God's highest purposes for their lives, when their father does nothing to ensure that they will ever actually hear those words nor be able to interpret them or be misled by counterfeit revelations or lack the sensitivity training or can kind of grow distant from God in fellowship and miss his guidance. If God really wanted you to hear his voice, you would hear it. You would absolutely hear it. And there would be no mistaking it, I think, if God wanted it known to you. And if he doesn't want you to hear his voice, which I believe he doesn't apart from scriptures, you will never hear it. No matter how many methods you employ, how many techniques you try to follow, no matter how many books you read about how to hear the voice of God. So be content, right? This is the takeaway. Be content with what God has given to us in his word. Be content and be thankful and then begin to work to apply that to your life. It will change your life, right? This book has changed the lives of millions and millions and millions of people and it continues to do so. Thank God for that.